Thank you for joining me, Bertie Brits, in today's live broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I'm so excited to share the message of grace with you, and I know that you're going to be impacted and touched by this message of grace. I would like to just invite everybody to just settle down, listen, and just enjoy the worship, the introduction part, as well as the, the, the word that we're going to minister in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, just explaining the wisdom of God and uh, what that is, is and what the wisdom of the world is. And I know you're going to be blessed by this. All the first-time viewers of Dynamic Web Church, you are especially welcome. Thank you that you've joined us, and I know that this will touch your heart in a great way. In the last two weeks, we've been really busy. We've been running up and down. We've been busy building a stage. Um, you know, we've moved office to another office, and man, it was just hectic. The, if you can see from this side to the other side how this office looks, man, it is just chaos. But at least you don't see that. I'm the only one that sees that. And um, we're busy building in a door here, and then we must build in another wall. And just, um, man, there's a lot of stuff happening. So we're running up and down and just everything, getting everything ready just to preach this gospel in a better, more excellent way. The crusade that we, the crusade we're going to do is going to be awesome. We're busy building the stage. We're almost finished, I'm sure, in this week to come. We'll finish this up. And uh, we, we will be, we, the rig is, um, that we've got will be able to do about five to 8,000 people. And when we add another light pole, we will be able to do 10,000 plus with a sound system and the lights and everything we've got. And I'm so excited to start preaching with us. We will have our first crusade in um, the last week of November. And I'm very excited about that. I know that's going to just touch the lives of people. From there, we're going to uh, Zimbabwe, where we're going to be preaching in the pastor's conference with uh, Stephen Willifier, Pastor Stephen Willifier from Johannesburg, and uh, we're having 500 pastors. They're expecting 500 pastors to come to this meeting, and then there will be a crusade after that where they expect 15,000 people. So, man, I'm really looking forward to that. Amen. There's so many exciting things coming up. In February next year, um, I'll be going to the United States and after that to Canada. I'm excited about that. We want to share this gospel. We want to see this gospel going all over the world. Hallelujah. And it's so awesome to have you with me today, to think that I can broadcast this message all over the world, and that people can be listening to this unconditional love, mercy, and grace of God, that it can impact the lives of people, and the lives of people can become the life of God. That they can find that they are born of God. Hallelujah. Now, I want to read a scripture in Isaiah 30. Uh, Elise and I were speaking over Skype, and... Um, she shared this with me. It's so, so awesome. I just want to read this. Isaiah 30 verse 18. It says, And therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore He lifts Himself up, that He may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Now isn't that so, so awesome? He says that He is, the Lord earnestly Waits. In Afrikaans, it's the, it's the word ongeduldig. Um, I don't know what the, the English word there is for that. It, it, it is basically impatiently. He, he doesn't have patience concerning this. He's impatiently waiting. You know, like when you wait for somebody to come and pick you up and you know you're going to be late and it's like this. You're just sitting on the edge of your chair and all of that. You know, that is how God waits to be gracious towards you. Because 
He will lift himself up and be merciful towards you, for he is a God of justice. It's a just thing for God to be that good to us. Um, that's because that it's just towards his person, towards who he is. Hallelujah. That is a good God. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank God for that. Now, with a scripture like that in mind, when we go over to worship, we can say, My God, I can easily worship you, for your word produces worship in my heart. Thank you, my Father. Now, when we go over to worship, I would like you to open your heart, sing these couple of songs with us, and uh, just let the word touch your heart. You know, maybe if you have heard some of these songs, just close your eyes. Let the words just flood your heart again and again and again. And let that stability of peace and righteousness um, come into your heart as you hear this and meditate upon this scripture while we, um, while, while we worship. Now, enjoy the worship and after the worship, we're going right into the word of God. See you after the worship. Will I fall? Will I 
Isaiah 30 verse, um, we're going to run from verse 18, it says, and therefore, um, and therefore will the Lord wait, that He may be gracious unto you, and therefore will He be exalted, that He might have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for Him. Now that sounds contradictory, I don't want to explain that now. That is everything to do with the return of the Lord and all of that. But what he's saying here is he says that the Lord waits to be gracious unto you. God waits to be gracious unto you. Now that is so, so awesome. To think that God is waiting. And, and um, in the Afrikaans it says he impatiently waits to be gracious towards you. And that's what we need to know. That's what we need to have in our hearts um, and, and that's the thing that, that is, man, you just need to know, God is impatiently waiting to be gracious towards you. Hallelujah. Man, isn't God a good God? He wants to show you His goodness. And so many times we think and we wait, oh God, when are you going to be good to me? But the whole thing is God is impatiently waiting for you to be merciful and gracious towards you. Hallelujah. That is the goodness of God. Right. So, if we can know that God patiently waits for us to be good towards us. He is not patiently waiting to see what can He get out of your life. How can He make life difficult for you? How can He just um, get things to be hard on you? To just purify you? No. He brought the blood of Jesus. And that is what brings uh, stability. That is what brings purity. That is what brings the life of God Towards you. So know this, that God is impatiently waiting for you to be good, or, or, uh, for you to get to the place where He can show His goodness towards you. And that might sound like a lawful statement, but the place where God shows His goodness towards us is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I also believe that this scripture speaks of, um, of Jesus and the coming of Jesus. God was impatiently waiting for the right time to come so that he could give Jesus, which is the full manifestation of the goodness of God. So I want to say this, and I, I know that some other preachers have also said this, and I agree with them 100%. God is not going to do one thing for you anymore. Jesus is not going to do one thing for us anymore. Because what he's done is enough. What he's done is good enough. What he's done is powerful enough. What is done is giving the fullness of God to us in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is exactly what He's done for us. And He was impatient. to He, he, he set the perfect time in the fullness of time. He sent His Son. He was impatiently waiting for that time to come so that He could be incarnated into human flesh, that He could obey on our behalf, that He could die on our behalf, be resurrected on our behalf, that He could be crucified on 
our behalf, carrying the curse, removing the law, bringing the fullness of God into human flesh so that we can have the fullness of God. He was just impatiently waiting for that because He is a God of justice and He wanted justice to rule and reign in this world. And it would be just if one man could come and obey on behalf of everybody because one man was disobedient on behalf of everybody. So one man obeyed on behalf of everybody so that whosoever believes can have access into that grace. Isn't that awesome? So I want to just say this to you. God has done it all for us in Jesus and we can just receive all of that by the power of God through faith. Now you might say, but Bertie, I'm waiting for God to bless me. Um, you know, I've been waiting for God to bless me in a certain area for years. Now, if, if, if there's a misunderstanding between each other, you know, both of God can be waiting and we can be waiting forevermore. If we can understand that the fullness of God is in Jesus Christ, that the fullness of our financial blessing is in Jesus Christ, the fullness of our healing is in Jesus Christ, and that He has done it all, and that there's nothing that we can do except simply believe that as He is today in heaven, so are we, um, because of what He's done for us. And in that we experience what God has done for us. And you might say, but Bertie, what about the people that don't receive? You know, um, what about the people that do receive? What about the people that do experience the love of God? Um, let me tell you this. In my life there are areas where I pray about things and I don't receive it right away. It is just the way it is. But I'm not going to focus on what I have not received because what I do receive and what God has done for me and what is manifesting of the finished work of Jesus Christ is a billion times more than what is not manifesting. You know, so many times we as human beings, we've got this natural inclination that we say we want to focus on the one thing that does not ha um, happen. You know, we might have a pain in our knee and we pray for healing in that knee. But we don't see all the other joints that's healed. We only see the one that is not healed. Um, we might pray for this financial breakthrough that we need right now today. But we forget about the hundred other breakthroughs that God has already given us in the past. You know, and the breakthroughs that God has given our neighbor. And the breakthroughs that has happened all around us. And we, want to, we tend to focus on the one thing that doesn't happen, which will in any way, God is going to come through there for you in the sense of um, that grace, the grace of God is going to manifest it. You know, what I, what I like about the message of grace is, and the, the fact that God is not going to do anything more for us in the sense of um, He's done everything in Christ, um, is this, that I know that whatsoever I ask in the name of Jesus is going to happen and God is blessing us in that way. And that we've come to a place where we don't hunger and thirst for asking God for stuff anymore. But where we see the fullness of God manifesting. You know, and that is just a matter of time. And uh, I tell you, that is, that answer is as true as what God is alive. It's just a matter of time and we will see that manifestation of whatever we expect from God. If you need uh, healing in your body, man, it's just a matter of time. You will either be healed now or in the return of the Lord. You will be healed, but it's a matter of time and you shall be healed. As surely as what Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, we are the blessed, we are the healed, 
We are the prosperous. We've got peace with God. Amen. Isn't that just so, so awesome? So I want to tell you this, that Jesus Christ, God waited um, with uh, impatiently to bless us, to be gracious towards us. He stood up um, and He was exalted so that He could have mercy upon us. The reason why Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father is so that God can be merciful towards you. Amen. So many times we've made such a big thing of sin. Now the Bible does speak of the fruit of righteousness and to be blameless um, you know, before God. That is true. But we've made that the gospel. You know, we, 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 you know the other day I saw somebody and he spoke and he said that he hasn't been drinking uh, um, brandy for 15 or 20 years you know and he was very proud of that now maybe he's been an alcoholic and he's very proud of the deliverance that God has given him but you know so many times we are so proud of the things that we got delivered of that we don't see that uh, we don't see the new life you know the, the gospel the gospel scheme is not just about you stopping to do a wrong thing that's not what it's about it's about you being like God that's what the gospel is about That's the fullness of the gospel. It's all about being like God. And He made us like Him. And then that manifests in our lives. But so many times our focus is, what are we manifesting today? We must manifest this. We must manifest that. And that is not the way it is supposed to be. Our focus is supposed to be the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, the more I get into the gospel of grace the more I find that my focus is not what I do. But my focus is what God has done and who He is and how much He loves us and how much He cares for us and how much His love is just all over us and how we have been recreated into the very being of God. That is what it is all about. And when we start to see that, we start to see the magnitude of the grace the magnitude of the goodness of God. And like I said, you know, I had many people say to me, Bert, it is so awesome to see that you don't deviate from this truth. Whenever we hear you preach, you preach this. And I want to say this, I want this to be like that until Jesus comes. I don't want to, I, I don't plan, it's not my intent, I don't want to go and if I go from anything but this gospel of grace, don't slot into these sessions anymore. That's just the way it is, you know. You, the, the, God has given us this gospel of grace. And this is what I want to preach every Sunday. Maybe from a different perspective. Maybe in the area of marriage or the area of raising your children or the area of finances or the area of medita- meditating upon the word of God or the area of the renewal of the mind or of healing, or of the gifts of the Spirit, or whatever. But the focus, and the foundation, and the perspective, is the finished work of Jesus, the cross. And if it's not that, my friend, let me tell you something, switch off. Even if it's Bertie that you've always loved and liked, switch it off. Because that, that will not produce life in your life. So many times when it comes to miracle signs and wonders, we, people see something completely different, it becomes a law-based message. And our, we are righteous, and because we are righteous, we are going to manifest all these miracles. And then we look at the miracles, and we see that there's areas where there's no miracle. And then we feel in our hearts, oh my God, what have I done wrong? And then we get into seeking, uh, pulling down the heavens, hungering and thirsting, and all those type of things. 
you know, um, to, to do these miracles. Let me tell you something, and, and maybe you're a first-time viewer, but I want to just say this to you so that you can have peace in your heart. The Bible says that once you are in Christ, you're not supposed to hunger and thirst anymore. Because the Bible says if you've been drinking of the living water, you will never thirst again. And I've heard a guy say that 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 actually means that you will never thirst again because whenever you come thirsty, you will drink of that water again. And then whenever you become thirsty, you will drink of that water again. Now that is a completely wrong interpretation of that scripture because it continues for it says that you will become a well of water. You will never become thirsty because you will be flooded with water. How can water be thirsty? Water doesn't become thirsty and then it, and then it, it quenches its thirst with its own water. No, no. Water never becomes thirsty because it's water. It is uh, the thing with which you quench thirst. So I want to just say this, that you are, when you are in Christ, you, sh- you should have this emotion and this thing inside you of, I don't hunger anymore. I don't thirst after God anymore. Because God is in me. The fullness of God indwells me. And I am not in seeking... um, uh, uh, Man, it's like like marriage, you know. If you seek to be married, if I was seeking to be married with Helena, you know, and I was hungering to be married to her, do you know what? After I am married to her, if I'm still hungering to be married to her, I'm a fool and deceived. Or I'm not married to her. And I just think I am. That's just as simple as that. You know, with, with my wife and I, we are enjoying our marriage. That's what we do. We enjoy that. We enjoy fellowship. We, we would visit and go places, talk, chat, whatever, and just love each other because we are already married. We are not seeking to be married. And that's the thing with God. We are, not, we are not hungering for the presence of God anymore. The presence of God indwells us. We're not hungering after God anymore. There was a time when we hungered after God, but then we received Him. We received His, His Son. We received His gift of righteousness. If you are made the righteousness of God, what are you hungering for, my friend? <laughs> The only thing is if you still feel that hunger is because you haven't come to the revelation of what God has given you. And that might offend you when you hear that, but I don't want you to be offended. I want you to open your heart and to say, thank you God, you know, for your unconditional love. Thank you God that I hear this and I see this truth in the Bible and what I, what I do hunger for, and, and this is a hunger that, that is still in the, in, in the church, is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many times we mistake the hunger for the return of the Lord for a hunger for God. And in that, we get deceived in what God has already given us in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is the goodness of God. He has, he has given us His goodness that we can even see where we can be deceived. So that we can walk in what He has freely given us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, you know, I'm so excited because um, we we busy building, finalizing basically our, the stage and outdoor equipment we've got for open-air gospel crusades. And our first crusade will be held at the end of November. And I'm so excited about that because this, the rig we have 
can house about between five and 10,000 people. And it is awesome. And uh, by the end of this week, I think we'll be basically finished with this. And I'll put some pictures up in next, next week's web church so you can see what we're busy with and what we do. It's a lot of work. It's hard work to get all this done. But man, we want it perfect. We want it right. And we're going to minister the gospel of grace with that. And I'm so excited because this message of not hungering after God, this message of the fullness of God indwelling you, this message of having a, 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 a live relationship with God that is filled with life, filled with the person of God, free from the law, free from all those type of things. Man, that is what the people out there need to hear. And that's what we're going to preach. And it will be awesome to see a couple of thousand people standing there and we're ministering this gospel with signs, wonders, miracles following and confirming the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. I'm so excited about that. I know that that's going to touch lives of people. And while I was just sharing this, not hungering after God, seeking after God, I was just in my mind also thinking of the people out there in the poor communities and the people that are struggling. That They can also come to a place where they can hear this unconditional love. For the Bible says the gospel um, was preached to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord God's upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. They need to hear this. People need to hear this message. You know, not many people that are wise, according to the flesh, are called. Not many noble are called. And that's what we're going to look at in uh, 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Hallelujah. So, we're going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians and we're just going to read there from chapter 1. And um, we'll read the first eight verses and then we're going to jump over to... Yeah, we'll just read and see how far we get because there's some very important things that I would like you guys to know. You know, when we are in the grace message, um, we are not superior to people that are in the law. We are the same. The only difference is, is that God has given us a revelation of grace. And the Bible says that those who are strong in the Lord should have mercy on those that are weak in the Lord. And that is very clear in Scripture where it talks about food offer, offered to idols. Paul wrote and he said, you know, when it comes to food that's offered to idols, there are those that think an idol is something and think that an idol is a god. But we know that there's only one God. We know that that's just a dead thing. There's nothing behind it. There's no demon behind it. There's nothing behind it. It's just a dead thing. You know, um, and, and uh, people, when Christians went into the, into the temples where they offered to idols, and then they ate the food that was offered to idols, and they thanked God for it. And, and then there were other Christians that got offended and said, you know, um, look at what these people do, and that's wrong. It's not... And then they've used some Old Testament scripture that says you're not supposed to eat food offered to idols. And Paul came and he spoke stuff that was unlawful for people to say, um, which he heard in heaven. And it was an unlawful thing to eat food sacrificed to idols in the Old Testament. There was many things that was unlawful in the Old Testament which was allowed in the New. Um, in the Old Testament, you know, you had to be circumcised. In the New, we're not circumcised anymore. And that was a very great, a great, great, great thing. And there were many things that Paul taught people to, to come and fall away from Moses and to just get into a relationship with God. And even in the book of Acts, um, they said, let's not bother the Gentiles with our rules. Let's not burden them with our rules because it was a burden. That's why they said, let's not burden the Gentiles with our rules and regulations and, and all those type of things. So, um, yes, I want to just say this. No, know this one thing, that many things has changed. 
But we cannot come to a place where we say, well, you know, we are um, better than those that are in the law. Because we were also in the law. We were also in a place where we knew no better than do this and that's going to give you a breakthrough and do that and that's going to give you a breakthrough. Jesus never, he never got angry with people that were under the law. He loved them. He came for those that were under the law. Um, where Jesus got angry was when people understood the truth and then they opposed the truth. Um, that's when, when, when he started to rebuke the Pharisees and what they did. And he, Jesus gets angry for what the law does to people and what happens to people when they are under the law seeking justification by their own works. That makes him upset because the Bible says that love does not rejoice with iniquity. So, um, you know, he's, he's forgiving, kind, all those type of things, but he does not rejoice with iniquity and, and iniquity or with unrighteousness. Unrighteousness and iniquity is born out of a mentality that says, by what we do, we become. So, I want to say this, and we're going to touch on this in Corinthians as well today. You know, we shouldn't say we're of Bertie and we're of Joseph Prince and we're of Rob Rufus and we're of this guy and we're of that guy. Just say thank you, Jesus, for the gospel of grace. Amen. That's what we, and, and I believe that's what the, what the scripture teaches. And I would like to just say that because so many people, you know, when they say I am of this guy or, or I'm of this guy, or, I'm a disciple of this one. Like the one guy said to me, he says, I'm a disciple of Angus Bacher. Then I think by myself, you know, that is, um, if Angus falls tomorrow, and thank God, by the grace of God, that will never happen. But if Angus falls tomorrow, what then? What are you going to say then? No, you're still a disciple of Angus. Then you don't want to know Angus. You know, because, of, because you think that, well, you know, my whole, um, my whole life is devastated now. You know, I've been a disciple of this man. He ran away with a woman or something like that, you know. So let's not say, I'm of this, I'm of that, I'm of that, because that brings division. And let's not fight each other, you know, but let's be in the, me- in the message of just the message of grace. And if we are in the gospel of grace, I believe it's very important to walk in that mercy and walk in that grace. And I must be honest, in my own life, you know, when I just got a hold of grace, I, I was um, very, very judgmental towards people that are in the law. But last night I watched a guy that um, that ministered, you know, and he's just got a passion to see the lost being saved. But if you look at his doctrine, you see, man, you know, it is not really the gospel of grace. And it's it's like um, some of the writers of the Bible. You know, they, they had to have the gospel explained to them more clearly or more perfectly because they didn't understand it the way it was supposed to be understood. But if we come with a judgmental way, we're just going to push people away. So people, let's have mercy on those that are under the law. I don't say that we need to settle for the gospel of the law. I don't say that you must go to a church where, where the law is preached. That's not what I say. But what I say is when somebody is under the law, come to him with kindness and mercy. The Bible says when a brother falls, come to him in the spirit of meekness, lest you fall into the very same thing. And share with him from the spirit of meekness and restore that brother to the true faith. Hallelujah. And I think that is the way it is supposed to happen. And I believe that the Lord is teaching me this more and more every day. And I'm not saying that we should compromise. Let's preach the truth the way it is. Amen. The unconditional love of God. We're not going to compromise on that. And You've listened to my messages. And I'm not um, thinking to change any of that. I'm just going to continue to preach this gospel this way. But we are not there to fight with each other. Man, if there's a church 
that, um, and this is just some practical advice that preaches the law, don't fight with a pastor for six months before you leave, you know, or create havoc of the church before you leave. Listen, if you think that that's not the truth, go and see the leader, speak to him once, two, three times, you know, and then, man, if you like grace message, slot into a church. You know, and and um, and listen to what I what I preach here because this is the gospel of grace. Rather leave the church than make than fight there, because that's not what it's all about. We're not supposed to have this division. We're not supposed to have this bad thing. And I, I see that, and I, I need to address this because there's many people starting to become members of Web Church, and um, it, it is just it, it can be an ugly thing in your town or wherever you live. And let's do this in a spirit of meekness. Let, let's do this in a spirit of we love people, you know, and not in a thing of we are high-minded and we know better and we're the, we the, we higher than the rest of the body of Christ. Yes, we, can, we become upset and we become, um, we feel hurt in our heart when we see the effects of a law-based message on the lives of people, you know, but just let's just have mercy. Amen. Right, let's read... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that are in every place, that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this verse 2 is awesome to me because what Paul says here. He says, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ. In other words, what he calls, um, there were many different sanctifications at that time. There were people that were sanctified, and this was Corinth, you know, it wasn't just a, a, a Jewish city. There were many types of beliefs. Greeks were there, there were many people there that was very wealthy. It was a, a trade city. There was a lot of wealth in the city. People were rich, they were blessed. Um, they had their own philosophies. There were people with their own philosophies and stuff outside the Jewish traditions and that. And, um, and they believed in certain ways of sanctification. And in, even in the Jewish way, there was uh, ways of sanctification by going to the uh, uh, labor, washing your hands, all those type of ways. But what he says here, unto the church of God, which are at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus... Called, now that you'll see in the King James there in verse 2, the word to be is italicized, which means it's not in the original language. We are not called to be saints, we are called saints. So what he says here, he says, to those that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So our sanctification is not in anything but Christ Jesus, the anointed Savior, the enabled Savior. Amen. We don't have a Savior that, that, that doesn't have an ability to save. We've got a Savior that saves us. We've got a Savior that has done something for us, that gives us life. Amen. So what he says here, this is addressed to those that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So I want to say to you, there are different ways of sanctification, but the only way of sanctification that means something to God it's a sanctification that is by Christ Jesus. It's a sanctification that is by Christ Jesus. You might be sanctified according to the law. You might be sanctified according to the tradition of your church. You might be sanctified according to your set of rules. But that's not what means something to God. 
What means something to God is to be sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all them that in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord both theirs and ours. So what he's saying here is he says, listen guys, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what he's explaining here, we are sanctified by Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus, and we are called saints. Saints are people that are morally, ceremonially, and in everything in your life, uh, 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 holy and righteous and clean. Now he says to these people, he says, now listen, the way you are sanctified is by the grace of God. And then he says here in verse 3 again, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. That in everything you are enriched by Him, in all utterance and in all knowledge. Now I want to just um, read that in the message. Uh, when I checked this out this morning, it just blessed me. Uh, you know, so many times you study a certain verse and when you, when you read it in the original or in another translation, you see, oh man, th- th- this is also in another verse, something different. That is so, so powerful. First um, Corinthians. Every time I think of you, and I think of you often, I thank God for your lives of free and open access to God, given by Jesus. There's no end to what has happened in you. It's beyond speech, beyond knowledge. The evidence of Christ has been clearly verified in your lives. What I want to just point out here is this. It says, there's no end to what has happened in you. It's beyond speech and beyond knowledge. Now, it says here in the King James, it says that in everything you are enriched, in all utterance and all knowledge... So, in everything that there is to be said about, some, about somebody, what you could say about the church, and saying, you still need this, you still need this, because I can say to somebody, you still need a revelation of grace, you still need a revelation of healing, you need the gift of the Spirit to manifest in your life. We can talk about all those things. But in all utterance, these people were already enriched. And in all knowledge. In other words, everything that Paul knew... Um, about the Lord, these people received, and they had it. Isn't that awesome? They were enriched in everything. Listen to this. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift. So what he says here is, you come behind in nothing. That's what he said, shared with them here. He says, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. There can be a place where you have reached perfection concerning the knowledge of the gospel, concerning what Jesus Christ has done for you. And then then there's just one thing you do, and that is wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they weren't trying to manifest something specific here. They weren't saying, well, we've received this knowledge, and what do we still lack and we still lack this, and God has got hidden revelation somewhere that He's now going to reveal to us, and only through a certain man of God and a certain preacher that's got this close relationship with God. That's not true. That's not the gospel. That is a hierarchy type of message that is just soothing to the egos of many people. 
So I want to just say this because it's suiting to the ego of the guy that proclaims himself to be this close, close to God person and to those who are his disciples because they say, well, we the, we the disciples, direct disciples of this high man of God and whatever. And that is just fleshly, it's carnal, it is not the way God intended, for, intended it for, to be in the church. Um, in the church he wants us to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and he speaks to us and then we can come to a place where we say well I know that he died for me he obeyed for me he was resurrected on my behalf and the fullness of God is in me and what I do today is I take this gospel of this fullness of what Jesus done and I preach it and I patiently wait for the return of the Lord that's the simplicity of the gospel and what you can be busy with until the Lord comes, is the sharing of the gospel. Because at the rate that people get born, you get more work. That's it. And at the rate that people get born and hear the gospel and aren't equipped into this message of grace, where they have received the fullness, you know, of understanding what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, for what we need to understand in this world. I mean, you need to teach and help and support and be part of the work of God. But listen, you know, I I want you to get this thing out of your mind of there's this mysterious thing that's hidden somewhere in God and that He's still going to reveal it sometime in the future. And He decided in 2010, November, there's going to be a man born with his name Piet Pochenpoel and He's going to reveal to him now and sorry for the guys that's before him now. Um, Jesus died for them, did everything, but I'm hiding this revelation and I'm only revealing it to Pete Pochampool and then he's going to now tell it to everybody and then I'm going to get the whole world to come to Pete now to get this revelation straight from the mouth of Pete. That is nonsense, man. <laughs> That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he said to the church in Corinth. Let's read it again. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. And what was this grace that was given? That in everything you are enriched by Him. So they were already enriched in everything by Him. In all utterance and in all knowledge. In everything that is to be said, they were enriched by Christ. And in everything that there was to know, that they were already enriched. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. In other words, how was the testimony of Christ? What's the testimony of Christ? It's the message of Christ was confirmed. It was seen in them. In other words, they were ministering this gospel of grace. They were, they were confessing with their mouth this gospel of grace. And now it says, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that word coming there is also the word revelation. Waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me read it again. This is very, very powerful. It says, And I want to read everything now, including the italicized words, which I did not read when I read it now. This is, if you have got your Bible with you, Esau there, open it up. um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. And I want you to follow this with me and just see, especially in the King James translation, see what is written there. It says, Who shall also confirm you 
unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what it says, it says, it says here, who shall confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless. Now, it doesn't see, say that you may be. It says, you who shall, you shall also, uh, who shall also confirm you unto the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what he will do is he will confirm us. So what he said here is that the testimony of Christ was confirmed in them. In other words, they received what Jesus Christ has given them. And now it says that Jesus Christ will confirm them. This manifestation of Christ will be as what? Manifestation of Christ. As they that became righteous, they come... uh, uh, they don't lack in anything. God has given the fullness to the church in Corinth. They are blessed. They are righteous. They have everything in Christ Jesus. They have everything. They had it all. And then it says, this Jesus, whom you believe in, who made you righteous, who made you holy, He will also confirm you unto the end as blameless. And even until the end, you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, um, what, what is happening here is Paul lays the foundation of what is blameless, what is a saint, what is righteousness, what is holy. Because here is a church in Corinth that, is, that has received it all, but they are stingy. And he needs to rebuke them and correct them that some of them were even in adultery and they were allowing this thing. Um, some of them, they were so stingy, they even lied. They made a promise that they will give money and a year later they haven't even given a cent. That the poor in other churches were giving even more. So what we can clearly see here is that Paul doesn't call that a lack. That is maybe a lack in their works, but it's not a lack in their righteousness before God. It's not a lack in who they are in Jesus Christ. You know, because there's a place where you can say, well, I know what there is to know about the finished work of Jesus. You know, as I read the Bible, I find new things all the time. Now, you might say, Bertie, you're just contradicting what you've just said before, but just let me explain. I find new things. I find areas where I've been in the law where I can now apply the fullness of what I know, which is Jesus Christ, who was crucified and resurrected, where I can apply that to that area now. You know, maybe I didn't apply it to, uh, uh, to the way I treat people, or the way I think about the future, or the way I think about uh, the country, or I haven't applied that gospel um, of grace to the sharing of the gospel, you know, to evangelism and those type of things. I, I don't say it's like that, I'm just using an example. So, but when I read the Bible, I say, man, look at this. Isn't this awesome? It's just, a, it's the revelation of Jesus in that specific area. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. When we come with new stuff, we should be very, very careful. You know, because new stuff is a problem. Because what happens here is, they were filled, and now they were waiting for the return of the Lord. So, I want to say this, and and I don't know how to just stretch this more. As the body of Christ, we've got basically three things, three steps, if we want to call it steps, or phases. Number one is, you're unsaved. 
And then you need to hear the gospel of grace and believe the gospel of grace. After you've believed the gospel of grace, you go and do what the Lord said Christians should do. And the command He gave Christians was to go and preach this gospel of grace to the whole world and to baptize people. That's what He told people to go and do. So my job as a, as a Christian is to experience, and I believe this, the, this, you know, the gospel is first towards me. In other words, I must experience grace. I must experience the love of God. I must experience it for myself. And then I take this gospel to others. And I'm involved in the spreading of the gospel. And now not all of us are evangelists. Not all of us are teachers. But you've got your place where you can share the gospel. Maybe God has... has um, told you, listen, you're going to farm or you're going to have this business, you're going to be in the technology area and there you're going to share the gospel of grace. That's what you're going to do. Maybe you're not a, um, what we want to call according to tradition, a full-time preacher. You know, you've left your work, you've left everything like the apostles were, that it says it was not right for them to serve tables for they want to give themselves to the, to the word and to prayer. Maybe you're not that type of person, not that I want to even want to put a hierarchy because that they're higher than anybody else. No, no. They are the lowest because they're the servants of the, of the world. They're serving the world with the gospel of grace. They're making sure they're studying it. They're making sure they're getting the gospel of grace out of all these Old Testament scriptures. That's what, what those apostles did. And I believe that that's what many people should do today as well. Um, you know, that are called to that. But maybe you're not like that. Maybe you just feel, man, I must work, um, take up the responsibility to care for my family, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to be in an engineering company working. Yes, work. But let me tell you this, it's that you're also there to share the gospel. And I also believe that, if, um, that we can be part of the sharing of the gospel by sponsoring ministries that preach the gospel of grace. Amen. Now, I'm not fishing for money. You know, but I need to preach the way, preach, preach it to you the way it is. You know, um, if you're in business, um, I believe that if you're not, not just working for a, if you're not working for a salary, but you've got your own business, it's there for a couple of reasons. Number one is to provide jobs for people that get born every day. You know, God wants those people to live. So God gives you initiative to bless you so that you can prosper, you can have enough, and that other people can have jobs. That's why God gives you that business, so that they can also live and provide for their families. And then I also believe it's a very good place to share the gospel of grace, and it's a very good place uh, or position to be in to sponsor the gospel of grace, so that it can be preached all over the world, so that people can leave their jobs and have time to study even more in depth to teach people the gospel of grace, and go places in the world to preach the gospel of grace. Amen. So, what we do is, we've got those stages. Number one, we hear the gospel for ourselves. Number two, we share the gospel. Number three, we wait for the Lord. I want to put it in an easier way. Number one, you receive Jesus, you get trained in the gospel of Jesus, then you understand the fullness of it. Then you wait for the Lord to come. But while you wait, you share the gospel. So that when He comes, more people can be in the kingdom of God. That's it. You might say, but Bert, isn't there some super duper thing that I must try to enter into now to get this whole world to change? And Listen man, just share the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace has got the power 
to bring forth all the necessary change that there should be. Don't you try to change anything. Just preach the gospel. Share the gospel with love. Speak the truth in love. That's all we do. Now, I spoke to a tabu, um, a guy that's also uh, part of the ministry here, and that helps us with organizing crusades and, and, and those type of things. And um, after this crusade, we're going to see if he can start a, a little Bible school here in the community. And I spoke to him, and we spoke about the political situation in the country and everything, and, and we came to this conclusion. We are not called to try and change that. Because it, it's too difficult. I can't change that in the next year. But what I can do is, I can influence the lives of people with the gospel of grace, so that if there comes a leader, that he can be a leader that is in the gospel of grace. Amen. That's what we can do. And it, we, it just boils down to the same thing. Let's preach the gospel of grace. Let's love people with the gospel of grace. Amen. Now, uh, I hope this is going to materialize, but there's a door opening for us that we will, in this month to come, most probably, have, a, have an opening in the parliament to, with the people that work there to just m- have a cell group and share the gospel of grace with those people. And that's what we do. We don't try to change anything. We just preach the gospel of grace. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Then he will be saved from... I mean, if, if a leader of a country can be saved with a, through the gospel of grace, he will be saved from trying the, all those ego things. He will be saved from that. He will not be power hungry anymore. He will lead in righteousness. All those things will happen by simply preaching the gospel of grace. So I want to say this to you. God came in Jesus Christ. He gave you fullness. And when you understand that God became a man, He died, He obeyed on your behalf, representing you. He died on your behalf, carrying the whole curse and everything that could be upon you, fulfilling the law. He was resurrected into the, um, he was resurrected from the dead, the firstborn from the dead, where he represents you, and in his return you will also have the fullness of that in your physical body. Let me tell you, my friend, you know it all. Now, the, the, you, can, you can understand that more in depth from different scriptures in the Bible, but that's the gospel. That is the gospel. That's what there is to know. And using that, you can have a very intimate, powerful relationship with God, where you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit clearly, where you can walk clearly in the prophetic, helping people, encouraging people in this gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. Then I want to just ask you, tell me how much time is left on the... Just check inside there. Amen. So... That is, that's exactly what we need to have and what we need to receive. Now, we've only got six minutes left. And I only, man, I wanted to get through chapter one. I'm not going to get that right. Now, let's, let's just read this again. It says here, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless. Or he will also confirm you unto the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to say this to you. Start to walk as people that are blameless in the sight of God. We are blameless in the sight of God. The church in Corinth was blameless in the sight of God because of the 
because God confirms them through the blood of Jesus because they were sanctified in Christ. Maybe according to the law you are not sanctified. You find mistakes. But these people were called saints. They were called uh, uh, sanctified. They were called holy. They were called the blessed of God. They were called all those things simply through what Jesus Christ has done. And the very same people were rebuked for many things. I mean, he corrected them, he rebuked them harshly afterwards for wrong things in their lives. But they were still sanctified. He said to them, he says to them, don't you know you the temple of God? So I want to say this to you. Walk in a consciousness of your sanctification. Walk in a consciousness of your righteousness. And don't be tempted and deceived by something that says, Yeah, there's something more. There's something more. Maybe there's more of a manifestation of healing that can be in your body. Maybe there can be more of a manifestation of financial prosperity in your, in, in your life. Maybe you can have a, a, a better relationship with your wife and your children. Yes. But between you and God, if you know that He, beca- he became a human being, representing you, obeyed on your behalf, fulfilling the whole law, died on your behalf, fulfilling the curse part of that law in His body, taking it for you, was resurrected in human flesh, in perfect perfection, where He represents you today, and you've been made perfect in Him. Listen, you know it all. And you are ready to go and preach the gospel, my friend. And what happens now is if you read to go and preach the gospel, the Bible says, don't do it without receiving the power of God. Then you say, Father, I want to go and preach the gospel. Thank you for giving me the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in faith you go with this power of the Holy Spirit and you preach the gospel. And as you share the gospel, you will find words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of healing, all those things starting to manifest in your life. Amen. And you share the gospel and patiently wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the simplicity of the gospel. If that's what you know, you know it. Now, if you see areas of your life where you find, man, you are in sin. It's like, like the Bible says in, 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 I hope I find it now. I think I've got two minutes left. Um, in, in Second Peter, in, in Second Peter here, listen to this. It talks about holiness and godliness. He says, and then he says, for if these things, these holiness, this holiness and godliness is not, it says, for if these things be, ah, uh, sorry man. But if, but he that lacks these good things, he that lacks holiness and a manifestation of righteousness is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So, if you find the shortcomings in your life, it's just because of a lack of applying the fullness that you already know to that area. That's all. Don't, don't let the devil tell you, well, there's a, a deeper revelation that you don't know. You know? It's hidden in God somewhere. And somehow God's going to reveal it to somebody that studies hard enough and pushes in hard enough and says, holy man of God type of person. Please, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, he's given it all. Here he, he tells the church in Corinth, he's given it all to them, but they've still got mistakes. So don't measure your holiness and your sanctification by your works, for you will always look unholy if you want to do it that way. You've still got a sinful flesh. 
But let me tell you something, you've been sanctified by Jesus Christ. He's called the Son of God. And He decided this before the creation of the world. You were chosen in Him. Amen. Well, let me just pray for you and just bless you. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you can receive Jesus right now as your Savior and say, Lord, this is for me. I want this. Let's just pray together. Just pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I've never received you as my Savior. But today, I acknowledge that you saved me through Jesus. I receive my salvation. Therefore, I am saved. I acknowledge that you died and rose again. You are the Lord. Amen. Father, I also just bless everybody that's listened to Wet Church today. I just speak the healing power of God over them, the power of an enlightened mind to see how to apply what they know, the fullness they know, to every area of life. Thank you that you haven't given this gospel with shortcomings. You've given the fullness to us so that we can believe it and patiently wait for the return of the Lord whilst we share your gospel. Thank you, my God. Amen. Amen. Thank you that you've watched Dynamic Web Church, that you're part of this web church. I want to thank everybody that sponsors this and that pays money in faithfully. We just see more and more people starting to pay in money. Thank you for that, man. You are awesome. God bless you. God loves you. Enjoy this week. Watch this again in the archives um, if you can. God bless you and He loves you. Enjoy the love of God. Amen.